0: Are you unable to concentrate on the tasks at hand? Do you need help focusing more or leveling up your game? Here's a tip. Try Cognizant Citicholine, clinically studied to support mental energy, focus, memory and attention. Cognizant supports brain health and supplies the brain with the energy it needs to stay sharp. Cognizant is a leading nootropic featured in over 200 products. This podcast is powered by Cognizant. Visit cognizant.com to learn more and find a product to help you fuel your day. Ready to achieve great heights? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to Power Your Performance, the podcast where we dive deep with leaders in the gaming world and beyond and learn the techniques they use to power their lives. I am your host, Gary Kleinman. Your performance powered by Cognizant is thrilled to have two leaders in the, the world of gaming, Angel Bernard and Mike Williams. Welcome,
1: oh thank you. It's exciting,
2: Hi, it's
0: good to see, you. Um, to see you. It's nice to have somebody twice, so welcome again. Oh um, thank you. you guys both have enormous background and experience in gaming, which we're going to touch on briefly. And then we're going to go into the wonderful world of live event and esports arenas, which is exciting, wonderful, bright, colorful, communal, and everything else. Angela, I know your history in, in gaming from the days of Microsoft and Gameco to what you're doing at eSportsU. Your formal title right now is the executive director of the board of directors at Glitch.com. Tell me yeah. about that affiliation and how that Great. came about and th- and then we'll ask Michael why he's here. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. ask myself that all the time.
2: <laughs> Mike is the visionary. I think Mike envisioned everyone's sort of dream venue around esports and and he built it out. He built more on top of it. And I think that's why I'm I'm really excited to be a part of the board. Um, This is an amazing project in development. Just quickly on my background, I I started out as managing partner of the Gamer Agency, ran the Microsoft Mixer Studio and the flagship store in Manhattan, created a lot of amazing content. I also worked with the city of Atlantic City in a public-private partnership Curating and, and managing a host incentive fund for Atlantic City, we were going to build a venue there, but we didn't end up doing it. But that program, I believe, was one of the first models for public-private relationship, public-private partnerships for esports, which you see now today is is sort of making its way across the country and different markets. And I also um, have a partnership now with CSL International, which is owned by Legends, and we do feasibility studies in the, you know, eSports marketplace for, you know, markets that are interested in, in getting into eSports and want to figure out how they can do that in their community. And then, of course, as you mentioned earlier, my love is the work that I'm doing in collegiate eSports at Esports U having a lot of fun working and, and building and pioneering and innovating in collegiate esports. And when Mike asked me to join the board, I was very thrilled and excited because I believe in his vision. I believe in what he's doing. And, and one of the main reasons is is because, two reasons. One is, it's we use the word esports a lot, esports stadium but the main revenue drivers are not eSports events alone. And Mike can go into more of his model there. And then the second thing that I I really appreciate and, and give a lot of credence to Mike too is the partnerships that he's been able to get to come to the table for this project are purely best in class. ASM Global, Legends, Cisco, Scenario, Populous, these are the best groups in the world to work with. And so I believe in their vision and what they're doing, and I'm, I'm happy to support any way I can.
0: Well, which is great. And, and it's no secret why he tapped you for that with the, um, the excellence that you have done so far to date and will continue to. So I get Mike saying you're critical. To the future of glitch, which then Mike brings the spotlight to you. I know yeah, just where you want to be. Not really. <laughs> I <laughs> no, I never. I know our, that. Our motto <laughs> for this is tell
1: no one. <laughs> I, I,
0: it, it, it's always great when I talk to you because I, I don't want to be seen or anything else except that you are a visionary and you're you go back to gaming well before game work. So where did it start?
1: Well, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm you know so I'm a lifelong video game developer. I created my first video game and had it published at 12 years of age. And uh, it was written in basic, it was published in a magazine and the way people were able to play it is they had to type in the code themselves and then they could play it. So it was printed in a magazine and you had to enter the code and then you could play the game. But then <laughs> I, at, at 17, I went to work for Interplay Interplay uh, Studios where we ended up doing, I mean, I was the PC programmer on you a know, whole series of hits and I was a level designer and eventually you know, a creative director on, on a whole bunch of, you know, ancient video games, video games that were, you know, way back in the day, Bard's Tale, Wasteland, Battle Chess, those kind of things. And I, and I think the only reason I got to be a PC programmer was because I owned a PC. (laughs) And I remember, I remember when Brian Fargo hired me, he basically said, if we hire you, will you bring your PC to the office? (laughs) Uh, So I think it was the PC he hired, not me. But then I went to work for Virgin and I made a bunch of video games there. Then I started my own studios. So I've run three different game studios in my life. I've published, produced, been a lead programmer or creative director on over 25 hit video games that have sold half a million units or more. It's how we define that. And a lot of them were you know, connected games, you know, first online game for a console, first massively multiplayer online game, you know, all kinds of stuff like that. Cause I'm also simultaneously and independently of that, I'm a lifelong game player, board games, Magic the Gathering, you know, games like Diplomacy. And I've always organized the local, you know, game club where I've done tournaments and leagues of all sorts. You know, I've, I've owned a game store for over 20 years. Two of them, in fact, and so I just happen to be a fan of organizing teams and leagues and games and stuff, and I never knew that those two things would come together, you know, and be esports. I mean, because what is esports except organizing an event around a video game? And, right. and so having, you know, uh, real life. Because I define esports as in real life, you know, just playing each other online. That's online video gaming. That's a whole different category. Esports is best enjoyed and experienced in real life. And well, there's, uh, and there's the nothing that comes from.
0: quite like the experience yeah. of an in-person competitive esports environment.
1: That's right. Well, and you know, and I guess most recently, my most recent famous thing is I as uh, is, is we bought GameWorks. Gameworks is of course the location-based entertainment started by Steven Spielberg. It's actually named after DreamWorks, GameWorks, DreamWorks. I didn't catch that either. It was built in 1996. It grew to 28 of them. By the time we bought them, they were down to nine. Um, But what we did was we got involved in helping them add eSports to all the locations. So so there's an eSports center inside of GameWorks. And it was wildly successful. Because one of the things we've heard time and time again is nobody makes money in eSports. That the only people who make money in eSports are the publishers. And we're like, well, hold on a minute, we put eSports land centers inside of GameWorks and we made money. Although it wasn't the eSports center itself that made the money. They were basically even. But what happened is the EBITDA of the entire place went up. In other words, it wasn't just the the presence of eSports, it's what it's the impact it had on the rest of GameWorks, because people were eating the food, drinking the drinks, playing the video games.
0: You were increasing foot traffic and butts in seats.
1: Exactly. And I also think it was a demographic change, you know, whereas, you know, like Chuck E. Cheese Pizza and Dave and Buster's Chuck E. Cheese Pizza aims at children 13 and younger and their parents. Dave and Buster's aims at corporate events, you know, where people are 40 years old and older. We were aiming at 15 to, to 25 to 30. That was our sweet spot, right in the middle, the esports range. And those people, we, you know, we be, it became, you know, Gameworks became a cool place to hang out. And and it was to an age range where they, they're old enough to have their own money, they're old enough, many of them to to be able to drink adult beverages. And they all eat like vacuum cleaners. I mean, just continuously eating food. And you know, and actually one of the main things we wanted to do with Gameworks is is make better food. <laughs> you know, no more of that, you know, sugar-coated meat that they serve at most barcades. Right. Uh, you know, so we had to make better food. But the numbers were undeniable and And then there's this whole question about whether or not esports is a sport right is it a sport if you can drink while doing it is it a sport that you can smoke and drink while doing it no 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 or vape i guess is the modern term and the answer is the numbers are undeniable more people watch other people watch play video games than watch you know real sports you know basketball baseball so having heard that
0: question of whether esports are athletes and whether Esports is a sport, you know. My answer to that has always been, "Who cares?" <laughs> right? Yeah, it doesn't really view- matter. It's all about the viewership. And, 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 yeah. Why yeah. put a handle on it or define it? Yeah. It is what it is. It it doesn't. You know, it's always like you know, Coca Cola. They what flavor? Well, Coke is that's the flavor. It's Coke. When they wanted to change it, it became Coke Orange or Coke Lemon. But Coke is just Coke. And I don't yeah. know why esports and gaming. It's just esports and gaming. It doesn't have to be a sport like you well know, this this, this. Yeah,
1: i should say that prior to this i, I so we so prior to this i owned a land center and um you know, and the thing about the model of a land center, like, you know, like Nerd Street, like, like Belong Gaming, et cetera. The problem with land centers is most of the people who operate these things, they don't serve alcohol. They don't serve food. If they're, they, many of them don't have merchandise, right? And so the, the thing is, although land centers are fun, you know, video games is, fu- you know, are fun. The people operating them are more like enthusiasts, like they're enthusiastic about video games, but they don't really appreciate how to run a retail store. And because we had Gameworks, we learned this is what it's like when you do know how to run retail. And in fact, I was Angela and I were talking about there's a place in Chicago called the Ignite Gaming Lounge, and we were just we were just taking a look at that company and how they do serve alcohol and they do serve food, and they're making a killing, isn't that right, Angela?
2: Yeah, he he reports they're doing very well, and he's been doing it for 20 years. So I I think he realized also that gaming is just one of the features ross so yeah well
0: so glitch and, and let's let's go back just a little so so glitch is a physical space yeah. as opposed to a digital or just a land center that uh, you see differently than what has been done traditionally to date which is like you know the allied the arlington center simplicity belong all of those do whatever they do and they've done them well and they're gorgeous well, they they've each had their own whatever challenges no different than any other business but the glitch is not a center but arenas i don't know the the how you're stadia. describing i the stadia. place stadia. <laughs> okay stadia.
1: stadia yeah stadia is my yeah google took our word stadia well okay so so whatever you know,
0: the, yeah What. what whatever so that Gary, descriptor uh, is Glitches, it, it it its primary focus is what, and how do you differentiate yourself? One way you already have is to look at it as a business per se, which is critical in this space because too many people look at it as an activity and not a business. So. Explain glitch.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, just like just like all those twenty years of me owning a game store, it wasn't a business; it was it was an activity. That's exactly right because you know you don't own a game store with the idea of making money. Right. It's just a place to hang out with and play Magic the Gathering on a weekend. No, but let me let me let me put it in perspective. And, and mind you, you got to appreciate we really do have the attitude of tell no one. That really is our position on this. That we want to catch the world by surprise when we finally. Really reveal what we're doing, but Gary, I love you, so I'm going to tell you what it is. So, okay. here's the thing: I've been hearing from everybody that esports is a sport. That esports is bigger than you know, bigger than traditional sports. It's going to rival baseball and basketball, and it's going to, it's even going to come after the NFL in terms of its numbers. And I think there's a lot of evidence to that. You know, you see the kids, you know, they, they spend more, you know, people under a certain age range are spending more time watching other people play video games than anything else on, on streaming services, right? And everybody talks about it. Every, you know, and even, even Blizzard, God bless them, decided to put out this Overwatch League where they, the entire league is designed with regional teams. And you have to pay tens of millions of dollars to be the official licensee for territories. And the people who are creating these teams are themselves the same kinds of people who own football stadiums or football teams and football stadiums. And they own baseball teams. I mean, the, the kinds that people are making the investors, the Stan Kroenke's, the Robert Kraft's. You know, and they're investing $100 million plus to start an esports team these days phase just went public and, yes. you know, and their valuations like a billion and a half dollars so with all that money in all these places the one thing that hasn't happened and the thing that i just seized upon even as we were going into a pandemic it's like where are the stadiums if esports is a sport there ought to be stadiums in fact there ought to be 32 stadiums why 32 because that's how many baseball teams there are that's how many football teams there are should they be regional absolutely they should be regional How do i say that because when i lived in seattle i became a seahawks fan when i left i stopped being a seahawks fan so yeah there ought to be stadiums there ought to be teams in the stadiums and there ought to be 32 of them and you know and even as you know things like nerd street and long gaming are popping up all over the place they might call themselves stadiums, but they're really land centers and and there's a big difference right the stadium is where you sit and watch professionals play and that you have an opposing team, you know, playing against a home team. And if you're going to do it right, if you actually want to make money, it's got to have food and alcohol and a whole bunch of, of location-based entertainment. In other words, you have to take a high-performance theater, combine it with a works, tune it up to, the, to 100,000 square feet, and make it the official home stadium of a professional esports team. And I've been pitching that even as we went into a pandemic, and son of a gun, if people didn't start flocking to the idea. And as Angela alluded to, the people that are now backing this deal and part of this deal is is literally a best of class who's who of esports. And, you know, and if she's the queen of college esports, I suppose what we're doing together is pro esports. And it's all about getting pro esports teams to occupy all of our stadia stadia which we are actively building. And the reason we tell no one is because it's incomprehensibly big what we're doing. It's the budget for this is one point seven two eight billion dollars.
0: Well, I was going to say to to do that, you basically have to open them all at once, correct?
1: Yeah, and we need to. Spend we're pretty close to two, that, as yeah. opposed
0: to you know the 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 other land centers. You know th- those to me, and they're very valuable. And there's a yeah. there's a place in the community for them. They meet, they learn, but they're almost like the math tutoring centers, like the Huntington. Learning centers sure. for video gaming, as opposed to what you're talking about, which is an entertainment-focused, competitive, larger league that yeah. everybody participates in, and then you can have local affinity. Yeah, and, and to, yeah, and why
1: struggle? Why struggle to fund one location if you can struggle to fund <laughs> four of them? <laughs> yeah. So just, much more fun. That, 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 although, that. although I, speaking as a capital raiser, I will say this. Sometimes it's easier. It's easier to raise a hundred million dollars than ten million, it, and that, it's easier to that, raise ten that, million than one million, right?
0: It, 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 as, as counterintuitive as that may sound. It yeah. is one hundred percent true. Well, um, and
1: I got to say, so the partners that Angela alluded to, who are in this deal with us, our strategic partners, their collective ca- market capitalization, if you will, is 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 almost a trillion dollars. These are gigantic companies. We're oh yeah, working
0: with. Well, there's no and question.
1: Yeah. And the thing is, you know, like even right now, as we're going into there's inflation, the Fed's going to raise the rates, that kind of stuff, the down economy or or a pandemic. These companies are so big that 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 doesn't really phase them as much as it does. No, they have
0: staying power to a certain extent, which you're a line item, a small line item. Absolutely. In, in, in fact, their if annual anything, budget, yeah.
1: If anything, we're too small. Even we have to tell the story of 32 locations to be big enough to for them to to even bother with us.
0: Yeah, which is kind <laughs> of interesting. So, so Angela, from you know your production experience and and the content you produce, which is you know really about entertainment and storytelling, how do you see Glitch and and the entertainment story portion of it as unique and different than a lot of what has come on before?
2: I think it's the model for modern day entertainment. I mean, I think this is a place where you go for date night. This is a place where you go to see all the latest technology. This is a place where you go to do escape rooms and experience yeah. new VR and AR experiences. I mean, something I, I'd i love to see us fulfill is like an mm-hmm. Unreal Engine experience oh, yeah. where you come in and it. Experience. So, it's not it's not just gaming at all, and and Mike knows this business so well, the LBE business so much better than I. But these are, and this is not just LBE. It's also the most innovative and pioneering types of LBE that he's planning to put in inside. So you yeah.
0: Know? So do you also look at putting like ping pong tables and <laughs> not not compete with, but as an option from all the you know the the ping pong venues that have come up that have been in incredibly popular yep. and I guess these days you might have to increase your footprint for pickleball
1: love we love pickleball <laughs> yeah I'm, I know but I, that's the thing so so it really is it's it's it is a combination of a game works a high-tech you know super modern you know game works combined with a high, high-tech performance venue that that doubles as a theater and and, and in as our stadium and and it's that it's that and, and by the way the third component is broadcasting so the idea that you've got live events broadcast, you know, you know, glitch on Twitch and you, you have professional teams and you've got and so many ways to so many options to have fun. In fact, I really, I, you know, I have, I've been talking more on the business side. I should talk about the vision side. First off, people should go and look at glitch.com. So even as we don't want anybody to know what we're doing, if you go to glitch.com, there's a conceptual video of what we're building right now in Los Angeles. And it's mind blowing people, you know, and, and I think a video is worth a, thousand words right it it, it really explains to you what it is we're building and it's on the it's in the background but it's on the homepage of glitch.com glitch with a y there's no i in glitch that being said we want this whole thing to operate like like it's a video game the whole thing uh when first time you come to visit a glitch you're a level one guest in order to get access to certain hidden features inside glitch you have to level up there's quests. You have to complete quests to get access to th- things. We have this concept called privilege in plain sight, where once you've, once you've got a certain level or a certain amount of, of of badges on your on your profile, then you get to, to access hidden nooks and crannies that are in there. There's actually, in the video, if you pay attention to it, there's a secret Doctor Who room in the you know the interior of the TARDIS that you can't get to unless you happen to know it's there and you happen to have the right badges and honors to get there. And and it helps if you know what the heck Doctor Who is. <laughs> yeah. So. Yes. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's like finding the dining room. It. Yeah. yeah,
0: it's like finding the dining room door at Disneyland. You know. it,
1: well, you know, as a matter of fact, so I, I've been a member of Club 33 at Disneyland. If you don't know what that is, you're not supposed to know what it is. Okay. And so we have that exact concept where there are literally areas and, and attractions and fun stuff inside every game works or every, excuse inside every glitch, I should stop using that word, inside every glitch that you can only access if you know it's there and you have the right levels and, and achievements and honors. And, and by the way, you know, would older folks be able to handle all the digital stuff inside there? No, absolutely not. In fact, that, you know, it. We had to do a study, like for instance, like how do you activate everything in this place? You do it using your smartphone. So you, you know, so instead of getting one of those little plastic cards like they have at a Dave and Buster's, instead you just take your smartphone, yeah. download the app, walk up to a, an arcade machine, and wave your phone in front of it, and magically it activates and it knows who you are, right? Isn't that fantastic? Well, the the question was, well, wait a minute, what if our customers don't have smartphones? So we actually ran a tournament at UC Irvine, and we, you know, we had we did a survey of how many of the students had smartphones. And it turned out over 100% of them did. And I'm like, what do you mean over 100%? Sometimes. I said, every single one of them had a smartphone. Some of them had more than one smartphone. Yeah. Yeah. So so we're gonna take a chance and say, if you don't have a smartphone, you're not welcome at Glitch. We don't need you here. <laughs> yeah.
0: If you don't have a smartphone, you, you don't care about what's going on inside that, that, that it just, and, mm. and, right. and pretty soon they're gonna get rid of non-smartphones and, and what have you. But it would take somebody with your background and your passion for not only video gaming but pure gaming whether it's board gaming card gaming oh, yeah. to to think of all of this to make it so interactive for a broad based audience even within you know a relatively narrow age bracket but not an insignificant bracket mm-hmm. the interesting that you know when i hear you say all these things especially with a smartphone is is the incredible value of the data yeah. that that you will be accumulating
1: well and it's all about people caring about their own profiles like what are what is the ranking ratings badges honors achievements you know personal bests you know records you know what teams are they members of and so i mean the whole thing is built around the culture of of, of, you know, leaderboards matter, right? We want people to actually care, you know, what their what their rank is on a leaderboard and so forth. Because, you know, because it's fun. I mean, in my past life, we set the Guinness World Record for largest Rock, Paper, Scissors tournament. Fun as heck doing it. And thing about it is Rock, Paper, Scissors ultimately isn't all that particularly interesting of a, of a game, right? It, it's a relatively mild game, but you make a tournament out of it and you have, you know, thousands of people competing. Now it's fun, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. so you take, mm-hmm. you take any, I mean, all of Glitch is designed to be tournamentizable, everything in the place of tournamentizable. So do we have ping pong tables? Yes. And we've got the accoutrement necessary to run ping pong table tournaments. You know, do we have escape rooms? Yes. But we also set them up in a way where you can, you can have escape room tournaments. Where you're actually racing against another team that has an identically set up room, and the two of you are competing to see who gets it done first. Right. Everything in the place is like that. The pool tables, yeah, the dark. You're, you're
0: like supermarket sweeps, but a current version of it, right? I mean, absolutely. Where, where everybody's racing through, picking up the watermelon faster than the team next to them. So.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And if you've never, if you've never had a chance to participate in something that, like that, it's fun as heck. You know, and then the, and then you got the opposite thing, which is you know sometimes people just want to be left alone. They just want to play their games and not be bothered. And that's where all the hidden rooms and nooks and crannies. I mean, who doesn't you know who doesn't love a speakeasy where you know all of a sudden the bookshelf moves and behind there's a no whole question. bar back there. there, there
0: yeah, there, there, there's no question. I, I think it's great. What's your timeline? And and then, uh, <laughs> I hope to live long <laughs> enough to to see it to fruition.
1: Yeah. So the first locations start opening in twenty four. But it is at the rate of four per year for the next for the for starting in twenty four and for eight years in a row to get to thirty-two. So, you know, it's four and twenty-four, four and twenty-five, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, and, you know, and less, you know, less people doubt it. You know, the first leases are already signed. The first, you know, projects are already under development. And without saying exactly where, we can say it's Los Angeles, Chicago, Atlanta, and Bellevue. So it's, it's easy to remember LA, ABC, Atlanta, Bellevue, Chicago, ABC. And But it's, those are the first four. But we we do have the second four and the third four already, you know, in the works negotiations-wise.
0: So having this being such a comprehensive Land-based entertainment center.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Does it get rid of the need for some of these smaller land centers, or is that compatible?
1: Oh, oh no, no, no! Absolutely the opposite. In fact, that's how that's how Angela and I completely bonded on this subject. Is we we want to be one of the biggest supporters of college esports and the biggest supporter of you know of land you know centers that do these things. I mean, and and, and bluntly, I mean, I'm being a little bit arrogant about it, but those land centers need help. You know you, you don't make enough money renting computers in a public place to, to keep the lights on you have to have food you have to have alcohol if you don't have that then what you need is big fat glitch to be one of your sponsors you know so we want to sponsor all these tournaments and we look at them as satellites that they can run satellite events and, you know, and, and help feed us because we want we, we're the pro stadiums. I mean, these you never you didn't ask, but these stadiums seat twenty five hundred to five thousand people. These are these are no joke. Right. That's um, what I'm saying. That, yeah. They're suitable for concerts and, and comedians and all that kind of stuff. Fairly large scale stuff. And our partners include, you know, some of the you know some of the best acts in the world. They manage all these amazing acts. So we 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 want the land centers around us you know and and the colleges to, to sort of you know view us as the pro team and us view them as as the if you will the minor leagues or the or the No I think it's important
0: it's certainly yeah. important for the the community aspect of gaming that mm-hmm. that you're your partners as opposed to competitors per se yeah. uh, and and that obviously goes a long way with mutual support in 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 all the areas that you're competing and it's great for colleges i mean it's a great practice center it, it it's a it's a great access for certainly the clubs right you know the college clubs it's yeah. a it's a great home for them as well I think it's exciting. I'm not going to take too much of your secrets away since you told me it, the whole thing's a secret so we might not even distribute this because it's so secretive, right? We'll put a hold on it till 24 yeah. and we'll see how we all age. No, I, I appreciate it. I think this is a great glimpse of the future of arenas where they have to go, you know, because I think the underlying subject matter is, and, and you know, Angela, and I touched about on this earlier in another session is, you know, nobody really knows where esports is going. If there's anything that we, we know, it's going somewhere, but where, who yeah. knows? And, and this is actually a great roadmap from the entertainment value and peppered in with all the real-life competition, and, and that's what gaming is, is really all about. And gaming at its core, I guess, it's just incentive-based behavior. Mm-hmm. And from all the things that, that you're including, there's incentives to not only participate, but to continue to participate. And, exactly. and, and that's kind of at the core of, of gaming. I appreciate both of your times. I've taken all of Angela's today. Safe flight to California, because I think that's where you're headed, to the warm weather of Southern California this year that hopefully is no longer 108 degrees. And, and Michael will be in touch. Angela, thank you for thank a you. glimpse of what the future of land-based entertainment and esports and gaming is all about.
1: Thank you so much.
0: for.
2: Thank you, Gary. Thanks Angela, for my pleasure me. again. Always Michael, always to good to
0: talk to you and see you. We'll see you again soon.
2: All right. Thank you.
0: Thanks both. Thanks for listening. This podcast is part of the MAP Esports Podcast Network and produced by Innovation Media Enterprises. Please be sure to leave us a review and follow us on your favorite podcast player.